Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Time now for the Yahoo Sports College Podcast with Dan Wetzel. Listen here, Zaxby's. You don't get to declare... What's going on in the war? <laughs> Pete Thamel! You can't pop in and say, do you know who I am? That's I am right. America's single purveyor of chicken sandwiches <laughs> on the world's leading podcast. And SI's Pat Forty! Even I was not prepared for Dan Wetzel to go completely scorched earth on poor Zaxby's uh, to start the <laughs> pod here. <laughs> Here's Pat, Pete, and Dan! Uh, welcome to the pod. Getting ready for a big week of college football. But first, I got to get to this because uh, we received about 1,000 alerts about this on social media. Understand people in this country turn to us as war correspondents. (laughs) (laughs) The first casualty of war is the truth. That's what what they say. People who've covered wars, and we have covered a war. It's the chicken war. It's the chicken sandwich war. But we are, I think we're America's uh, trusted voice. We're like Walter Cronkite during Vietnam, right? <laughs> uh, Zaxby's. Yeah. Zaxby's has uh, has jumped into the fray. It declared that the chicken war, the chicken sandwich war ain't over yet. Y'all ready? That's what Zaxby said. Uh, we're going to discuss this. But let me start with this. Listen here, Zaxby's. You don't get to declare what's going on in the war. <laughs> You're freaking Zaxby's. It's like Nothing Belgium in Zax- World War II saying, wait a minute, the war doesn't start till we yeah. enter. Like yeah. Luxembourg trying to jump in on this thing. This is the skinny relief pitcher slowly meandering in after a beanball brawl and telling everyone to hold them back. <laughs> Now, maybe he's a badass and trained in, like, jiu-jitsu or something. We don't know. But you got 900 locations in a, in a few states, like a dozen states. Okay. Popeye's has 3,100. Chick-fil-A's got 2,600. McDonald's is 38,000. You're Zaxby's. I appreciate the gumption. I think anyone who's trying to perfect a chicken sandwich is trying to make this country a more perfect union. I hope this damn sandwich is everything you say it is, but you don't get to declare what's going on in the chicken sandwich war. This thing better be, I mean, it better be damn good before I listen to Zaxby's. That concludes tonight's war report. <laughs> well, we attempted to send Pat to the front line. Did, did yeah. you? Did, was it fruitful, Pat? That's the thing. I have a Zaxby's like a mile from where I live, and really? uh, yeah, no, my my orders to go to the front lines ran into some bone spurs, and I, I opted out. Uh, no, I, 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 it's 10.30 in the morning when we're taping this. It's too early for me to have lunch, so I have it's not been able to It's never too early get... for a good chicken sandwich. That's it not too point. early. One thing they have you proven didn't drink is a breakfast. last night, Pat. <laughs> yeah, you just didn't get drunk. Um, yeah. Sully, what do we know about this Zaxby sandwich? I, I, I have Fast Casual here talking about it. 
Anyone who thought the chicken sandwich wars were over, consider this your notice. Guy from Zaxby says, uh, settle down. <laughs> what's the what's the word, Sully? I have a source on on the ground in Knoxville. They're testing it in East Tennessee, uh, as well as Pat's area in Louisville. And uh, it said he said, update on the chicken sandwich. It's good. Not great. I'd put it lower on the list than Popeye's. The sauce isn't as spicy and the breading isn't as flavorful. Okay, we're really, really starting to, to show uh, Zaxby's true colors here. <laughs> I would rate it slightly higher than Chick-fil-A only oh. for the sauce. Wow. Higher than Chick-fil-A. All right. Well, Looking. that is a bold statement, and I'm proud wow. of them for that. Like I said, I don't yeah. I don't fault them for trying. I'm just not gonna I'm just gonna gonna just go with their commands. The Rob sand- did go on to say that that when you add the Chick-fil-A sauce to the Chick-fil-A sandwich, then it goes above the Zaxby sandwich when you go sauce for sauce. Okay. Just out of the box. Okay. Right. So I don't like sauce. It, it, this is uh the details of this sandwich are uh double hand breaded 100% white breast meat on top of a split top bun, three thick pickle chips, and you either get Zach sauce or spicy Zach sauce. Okay. So, you know what? I'll, I'll find my way to the drive-thru there eventually. Now, I, and even more pathetic, and they're, they're telling us to, to, to take notice, it's only available in Louisville and Lexington, Kentucky, Nashville, Knoxville, and the Tri-Cities of Tennessee. Yeah, those use the term city really liberally. <laughs> yeah. Pat, you're really like an important American now. You're on the front lines of the chicken war, and you can I tell mean, the people I whether Zaxby's should be expanding this across the country. Like, this is... This is an important role, Pat. Uh, my nearest Zaxby's is Chantilly, Virginia. <laughs> That's not very close. No, if called, I will serve. I will serve in the you know the front lines of the chicken wars. I will, I will be a foot soldier. I will get there. I'll go through the drive-through. I'll get my sandwich and I will report back, uh, but not at ten thirty in the morning. Now, if I recall, your trip to Popeyes involved your like local celebrity coming to fruition, Pat. Are you just worried they won't recognize you? You can't <laughs> pop in and say, "Do you know who I am?" <laughs> That's I, right. America's single purveyor of chicken sandwiches <laughs> on the world's leading podcast. I demand Zaxby's hot sauce chicken sandwich. You know, if I explain it that way, if I if I send my <laughs> PR group in front, you know, to, to lay the groundwork for me and then come in with security, uh, then that, that that would perhaps get the point across and I would get the get the the full treatment that I deserve and, and that I did get from the Popeyes. Shout out to the Popeyes in Middletown, Kentucky. Way to come with the sandwich. Good job. <laughs> Didn't they make a fresh one for you? Wasn't that, if I recall correctly? Yeah, he made it, fr- oh yeah, what made it fresh and put on extra sauce for me. Yep, yep, they took care of me. But I have to say, I, I mean, even I was not prepared for Dan Wetzel to go completely scorched earth on poor Zaxby's uh, to start the <laughs> pod here. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm fired up today. Fired up. Destroyed him. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's get to even bigger problems. Wisconsin and Nebraska, eh, maybe. Hope we see it on Saturday. But uh, there is an outbreak in Wisconsin. Apparently, there's lots of outbreaks in Wisconsin. So not really surprising that it made it to the college football team. And this is obviously a concern as we get into winter. So... The big issue here to me is not that that game might be canceled because we've had lots of games canceled. Uh, It cannot be rescheduled. The Big Ten does not have uh, any bye weeks or any wiggle room on this schedule. So Wisconsin and Nebraska just won't get played. It'll be deemed a no contest. It's like a poke in the eye in a boxing match or something. It'll not be a loss. I don't know if that's fair. Nebraska doesn't, it's Wisconsin don't show up. I think if you show up and the other guy doesn't show up, you win. But robbing Nebraska of a chance to beat Wisconsin. The larger issue here is that one of the reported uh, coronavirus positives is Graham Mertz, the, the new quarterback at Wisconsin who set the world on fire by playing out of his mind or just brilliantly against Illinois. Uh, he has tested positive uh, and is now in a 21-day protocol mandated by the Big Ten. Now, his test came in on a Saturday, so there is a belief that he would be able to play in two weeks or three weeks, whatever, against Michigan, 
that day. But you would literally, as, as I understand it, and these protocols are, I don't know, but you would basically be throwing a guy in who hadn't practiced in three weeks saying, here you go, play against the Wolverines because you just got cleared at, you know, 9 a.m. in the morning. And the games that, I don't know, could be at noon. Worse, backup Chase Wolf is also tested positive, which means we're getting pretty deep in the Wisconsin quarterback depth chart. And the Wisconsin quarterback depth chart is not like the USC, old USC depth chart where guys are getting drafted as the backups. So obviously this is the problem with trying to play a season in a very shortened period. How will this affect Wisconsin? And your thoughts on the 21-day protocol, and I'll, I'll just say very quickly, I'm not a doctor. I, I hate questioning doctors. I don't know all this stuff. They're doing 21 days because they want to get through a virus and then have time for the heart to be 100%. They were worried about this heart thing. As I look from afar, completely uneducated, I don't see any reason it needs to be 21 days. We've seen no issues with anybody playing football, coming back as a young man too soon and this heart being a situation. Now, again, spare your hate mail. That's just how I see it. Seems like 10 days would be fine. Uh, maybe less, maybe something around there. My opinion. Uh, your thoughts. Pat, we'll start with you. Uh, yeah, whoa. It's, uh, it's a heck of a situation there. really is because, uh, as you said, not only did you mention Chase Wolf, the backup, has the believe is reported to have had the vi have the virus as well, but the guy that was supposed to be the starter going into the season, Jack Cohn, had foot surgery. So you are looking at the fourth stringer if they play this game, and you could be looking at lowering the Danny Vandenboom. He is your fourth string quarterback from Kimberly, Wisconsin. I know we've enjoyed reeling off names of various random Wisconsin towns. Uh, Kimberly. Incorrectly. Yeah, well, some of them pronounced incorrectly. Tis Pete was being shredded on Twitter for that. But, uh, I mean, you're, you're looking at taking your four-string quarterback on the road in a Big Ten game. Wow, that that's a heck of a, a challenge right there. Uh, as to the length of the timeout, I'm not going to make a judgment because I, I don't know. Now, I do know this. The Big Ten, we all know, went through eight levels of hell to have a season. And one of the aspects of it was we're going to we're going to set the protocols and then we're going to abide by the protocols. We have now we have the protocols. We had them all along. And I think a lot of us looked at it at the beginning and said, OK, eight week season, no bye weeks and a 21 day layoff. If you test by them, holy cow, that's going to be a problem. And now it's a problem. If this were a Nebraska problem, if it was Nebraska's quarterback, hmm. I bet Scott Frost is out there saying we just need to leave the Big Ten because we're just not going to abide by this. It's just not fair. Scott, or Paul Christ, on the other hand, was really, really very kind of sanguine about this when he was asked. You know, he's like, hey, we get to play. We're not going to complain about the setup here. We are going to, you know, we're going to deal with it. We just, we get to play. We wanted to play. We get to play. I liked his approach there. Is 21 days too many? It seems like it, but I don't know. I don't know what all went into the decision there to make that 21 days, but everyone signed off on it. We know that. We know that as, for once, supposedly, allegedly, the Big Ten got everybody on the same page, and that was part of the page. So let's live with the page. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. And Wisconsin happening to play on that Friday night could end up being a huge swing in the in the whole season. So to clarify, Dan, you know, Mertz and anyone else would be out for the 21 days. They cannot practice the final week, but they can do cardiac activity. So again, I'm not saying rolling in cold after three weeks is great, but at least it's not like three weeks in quarantine in a dorm room, like at least he'd be able to work out and be in some sort of cardiovascular shape to uh, to, to come back to the uh, to come back to the field. Th this whole 2020 season, the, the best analogy is they've been, you know, building the airplane while flying. And the I had a couple ADs text me yesterday, like, why are they waiting 21 days? And it, it is something now in real time as they're experiencing it, that certainly they're going to be criticized for. But I really do feel like to get back, they needed to show the uh, did you guys see the comments from Morty Shapiro, the Northwestern president the other day, like re reflecting on the decision? Basically, he was just like, well, the information changed and 
you know, I I basically went along with everybody else. You know, like the, the Big Ten presidents weren't giddy to come back. And so this was one of the things they needed to get back. And so you can't change it midstream now. And I don't think anybody would be bold enough to try to like lobby publicly for less safe protocols. Do I think oh, we'll see days, about that? We'll see. Yeah. All right. All right. Do I think the 21 days is extreme? Yes. Do I think the Big Ten really did itself a disservice by not building in a bye week? A thousand percent. Like, that was just foolish. I mean, that if you want to criticize the Big Ten for anything, it's that, like, they magically thought they could run off eight weeks uninterrupted. The, the data just was showing and portended that that wasn't going to be possible. How, how many guys on Wisconsin are testing positive right now that we're going to be down, they can't play? Those guys yeah. all have to go into 21 days, right? Yeah. If you're not yes, playing this do. week, you ain't playing next week, and you may not be playing. I mean, yeah. I don't know the facts because no one can give us the facts because this HIPAA stuff and all of that. Fine. But if, if you don't have enough people right now to play a game, then you don't next week and you may not against Michigan, which means you could lose three of your eight games right there. And if it extends as these things, I, I don't, you know, can they, can they contain it? They get, the whole season get wiped out. If you look at this 21 day thing. We saw Florida miss two, and that, I mean that was a lot. But they were able to reschedule both. Yeah, no, they got them both rescheduled because they had an open date before the cocktail party. They moved one there, and then they moved one to the end of right. the season. And obviously, as we get later in the season, and all those little safety off ramps are gone and filled, there that's going to be a problem in the SEC and every league. And we all get that, but just seems like the Big Ten took a, a a wing and a prayer of a plan here i i, I don't and it, i mean i what, do you, what kind of season does, wisconsin has a chance to make the college football playoff they have a chance to win the big 10 they have a chance to win the college football play, to get in the college football playoff uh, you know obviously we favor ohio state but they have a chance they don't if they're going to miss the next three weeks no I mean, the, 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 the Wetzel analogy we've been using since the middle of the summer of gripping the wheel and driving into a blizzard. Well, Wisconsin puts it into the ditch if this is the, if this if this plays out, you know, if they have the positivity rate goes to five percent on the team and seven and a half percent in the population and they're they're out and, and those guys are going to be out for that long. Then, yeah, they're they're cool. Oh, that's right. They got this green, yellow, red mood ring. Yeah. COVID <laughs> mood ring. <laughs> They are driving with bald tires <laughs> yeah, into a snowstorm by Eau Claire, Pete. Eau Claire. <laughs> Which knows oh, a few. Claire. Eau Claire, it's snowing again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Look, this could be a like two and one Wisconsin 2020 season, right? <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> could be. Graham Mertz is going to have a perfect quarterback rating. <laughs> I don't know what their schedule looks like the, has, the rest uh, of the way, but uh, only com only only had one incompletion my sophomore right. year. Uh, the only, <laughs> it was only one game. Yeah, they're going to be like UMass. Who will yes. play more games this year? UMass, which currently has just one schedule, then they lost it. 41 to zero. I think they got a couple more now. No, they, they got, got some more schedule. They got at least one more on the schedule. Liberty, oh. I think they have. Oh, yeah. of course. Dad, get on your get on your UMass message boards. Get on uh, get it fightminutemen.com and they hate me. They hate yeah. me. I'm not popular uh, there. The players rolling the into the Wetzel Athletic Facility to get ready for practice yeah. for their next game in six weeks. Yeah. I'm about but, as popular there as at the Zaxby's marketing pro, pro department right now. Both of the UMass message board posters listen to this pod. Hate listen to this podcast and then post about it. <laughs> All right. Well, this is this is the single. I mean, look, it happens to Ohio State. I mean, what what's the Ohio State Michigan game look like? What yeah, if it happens so to Ohio many. State? Then Gene Smith goes to the league office and they get the rule changed, or else you know, yeah, Justin eh. Fields' dad is protesting in Chicago again. And yeah, uh, this this isn't going to work. Um, uh, <laughs> it's just this plan is not going to work. I I don't see how it works. This is yeah. a very very you're driving into that snowstorm with bald tires. You you better be Dale Earnhardt Jr. or Dale Earnhardt Sr. Even better. Right. To to I just to have survive this image this. of Paul Chris behind the wheel of like an 84 Chevelle. <laughs> Paul Chris can We're drive in, in the snow like no one's business. I guarantee it. He, oh. He's driving in the snow 
he's got his coffee cup in one hand. He's changing the radio with the other, and he's dress steering with his knees, and he's fine. He knows how to do it. <laughs> he's like Dude's- these guys in Michigan who grew up in the UP, which is basically Wisconsin. They they, they drive they're like yeah. in snow. Like yeah. they right. treat the rest of the Midwest, northern northern Minnesota and northern Wisconsin and the UP treat the rest of the Midwest like like the rest everyone in the north treats like Southerners when it snows. Like you just, they just laugh. <laughs> it's not a snowstorm. It's only nine inches. Did you grow up in Tahiti down there in Detroit. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's a whole different world up there, man. Don't mess with those Wisconsin and the Upers and that Iron Range or whatever. Those guys can drive. So the sweatshirt knows what he's doing. Sure. He'll, he he'll, he'll go through 40 inches to get another offensive lineman from <laughs> Wausau or something like that. Um, all right. Let's get to this one. Because this this was an interesting quote uh, from nearly Tennessee quarterback Trevor Lawrence until Clemson came along and stole him. Sorry, son. <laughs> That's so right. I claimed Mookie Betts as an honorary vol last night. I was like, was he going to be the slot receiver in the Trevor Lawrence recruiting? He class? was committed to Tennessee. <laughs> he was he was literally a signee, and then he got drafted by the Red Sox. Well, this is <laughs> telling how much you want to. Which on Tennessee only, only happens Mookie like Betts? forty times a year every year. Oh. Yeah, oh come on that's like how there's a locker in the in the men's basketball locker room at least there used to be he's ohio from overton high school what else do you want at ohio state they have a lebron james locker yeah right i know it's the biggest crop he never committed there no it's a joke you have a locker uh, in the Ohio State men's. I get well, why. Well, here's they the difference. Mookie Betts actually committed there. I think they should put up a freaking statue outside of <laughs> Lindsey Nelson Stadium, honestly. Oh Mookie uh, Betts. We did have all one right. list right next to Todd Hutton. for being too mean to Sully last week. So I'll, all right, all Sully, right, fine. Right. You, you can have your Mookie Betts. You can have that. You can all have right. your statue. Yeah, let's be nice. It must have been let's a magical nice. signing day for baseball, Sully. I'm sure you were, I'm sure you were <laughs> glued, glued to Twitter that day. Sully, yeah, congratulations awesome. on the Mookie Betts. Uh, Thank you. Yeah. I'll succeed. I'll, I'll succeed. Trevor Lawrence will take the Mookie. Nice trade. Thanks, guys. <laughs> All right. Well, even worse if he could have had him because Trevor Lawrence, who I think every single one of us, by the time he was a sophomore in high school, assumed would be in the 2021 draft. Yep. Made a comment that suggested that's not a guarantee, even though he is the number one pick. My mindset has been that I'm going to move on, Lawrence said. But who knows? There's a lot of things that could happen. That was his quote. Now, there are two things that were going on here. One, Trevor Lawrence was just being the normal team first. Trevor Lawrence basically suggesting he's all in on Clemson. He's not eyeing the future. Maybe, like, you know, uh, maybe he'll come back, whatever. And he just made a comment. Because the, the problem with these Zooms and these interviews, we're get, we just don't get follow-up questions. We don't, it's, it's tough. We're not getting the same information as fans right. that you would normally get yeah. from in, in, in a normal situation. So no one was able to say, what do you mean? Like, or this is Trevor Lawrence staring at the Owen seven and likely Owen 16 New York jets and saying hell to the no, <laughs> <laughs> you haven't, you've ruined every quarterback since Joe Namath. who really wasn't even that good except yeah. for that one game and possibly saying, look, I'll, I mean, if, if, Trevor Lawrence is savvy enough. He could sit there and get himself traded out of New York to somebody else. The way Eli Manning got himself traded into New York. It's not a new thing. If you've got leverage and he has it because he can just come back. That's where you're at. So it's, it's one of those two things. I Trevor Lawrence. I mean, he got engaged this year. Was he going to get married and be in college? Like that. If I'm getting, if I'm newly married, I'm buying the big mansion in, (laughs) in New York. Like what? Well, no, you got to live I in New Jersey. That's really I, the downside of work for the dead. They're uh, in like Laurel, New Jersey. Oh, there's some nice neighborhoods, man. I don't think Trevor was ever going to be a downtown <clears throat> Manhattan guy anyway. But um, what are your thoughts? Is there any chance Trevor Lawrence is back in Clemson next year? Pete, let's start with you. If you are going to pull off a, like, I would give it a 10% chance. Like, Andrew Luck did it 10 years ago and shocked the world at the time, went back to Stanford, enjoyed the bubble. Clemson is a bubble, you know, they, like it's a town of what, 12, 14,000 people. You, if you don't want the public part of your life, the extreme day in, day out tabloid public part of your life to begin, you can go back. I'm not saying he will. I'll, I'll say this. 
Lawrence's agent process, as it appears right now, is likely not going to involve one of the agency superpowers like a CAA, like an Athletes First. He is on course to sign with a smaller shop. All right. And if you are going to leverage the New York Jets for a trade somewhere else, I would think it would help to be aligned with one of those more powerful agencies who can who can manipulate and motivate and leverage an NFL franchise to do that. I don't think we've seen anything from Trevor Lawrence to show that he has it in his DNA to to force that. And I don't think he's going to have the the right situation around him to do that. I could be wrong. Do do we know enough about Trevor Lawrence that he could just shrug his shoulders and be like, I kind of like it at Clemson. I want to come back. I mean, it's a small chance because of all the risk, because of the guaranteed money. Now, a lot of people look at New York as opportunity. I mean, think about how much more your shampoo commercial is worth that we all joke that Lawrence is going to get in New York compared to Cincinnati. Like Joe Burrow going to Cincinnati was the worst thing that ever happened to his marketing dollars, right? That's like the worst market. I mean, there's there's four or five. Like you go to Jacksonville, like that's just a black hole for 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 marketing. It's uh, they're just there are just seven or eight NFL cities that don't resonate. New York's going to resonate. They can only get better. But I I don't see Trevor Lawrence going in. There's nothing about the way his team is forming right now. That's showing that's showing to me he's going to pull that kind of a coup. I guess I would be surprised if this is a power play sort of move, but I also don't think it's just a I, I don't think there's it's a realistic I'm gonna go back to school situation. I mean, and I don't think it's him just trying to play nice and be a good teammate. I mean, he came out very flatly said, and I believe it was in August, says, Yeah, this is gonna be my last year. I'm I'm coming out. And so he's already said that. He's already, you know, broached that point and everybody was totally fine with it, as of course they would be. So I don't think now he's like, oh, no, I'm just going to hedge my bets so that people feel better. So there's some other motive in what he said. And maybe it legitimately is. I don't want to play in New York. But uh, I mean, as Pete said, if you're looking at it from a dollar standpoint, Go put yourself on, you know, the the big electronic billboard in Times Square as opposed to selling Skyline Chili in Cincinnati or, you know, whatever the heck they sell in Jacksonville. But I think Trevor Lawrence is also a guy who looks at this probably as much as just from a football perspective as a how much money could I make perspective because he's going to make enough money. He's going to be fine no matter where he is. And I think his thought process is. He's, he's, he's a very, very competitive dude, extremely competitive. Don't let the looks deceive you. The guy is a blood and guts competitor, and he wants to go somewhere where he's going to win. And he may well want to say, I don't want to play here. And so let's try an Eli Manning. Let's try a John Elway and see if we can leverage ourselves into a better uh, winning situation somewhere else. Certainly in the NFL, like Patrick Mahomes benefited by ending up in Kansas City and a, with a very stable franchise and a great coach in Andy Reid. And I had to sit out a year, basically sat, played the last game of the season, his rookie year. Lamar Jackson walks into a great situation in Baltimore. These are the, you know, if you look at the other teams, I think the Jets have a very hard schedule, so they're, they're likely, oh, but the other teams are Cincy, Houston. Neither one needs a quarterback. They're, these are one-win teams right now. Jacksonville is obviously there. The New York Giants, same issue, although a much better run franchise. Minnesota and Atlanta, ostensibly better franchises than the Jets, but I don't know. I think he probably was just talking. I mean, that's, I don't, I don't think there's a whole lot, but let, Dan, you know, was your if, thesis there based around Adam Gase not being an elite NFL coach? Yeah, yeah. I would. My thesis was on Adam Gase will not be there. <laughs> yeah. The, I'm the, shocked Charles he's Robinson, still there. Yeah. I would Charles do Robinson this. wrote a great column that they need to keep him there. Because they need to get to yeah, Trevor right. Lawrence, and he's yes. the guy to bring Would him you? to 0-16. Right. Keep him. Like, <laughs> oh, drive for 0-16. Yeah, that would be my only thing. Like, Gase is out or I'm back at Clemson. You know? And look, being the star quarterback, Clemson is a got to be phenomenal. Oh, it's not right? a bad life. But I also look at this kid. He just got engaged. That, to me, says he's planning his future. That's a good point. He is outspoken on social issues. Uh, even in, you know, a very conservative part of a very conservative state, which tells me he's got, he's he's much more than just, you know, when's practice coach, right? He is not a tunnel vision guy. He's extremely, I don't think he scares. He's from, he's basically from Atlanta. He's from a suburb of Atlanta. I don't think he's, you know, maybe he wants to play for the Falcons, but I don't think he's scared of New York. I don't think Trevor Lawrence is scared of anything. No. So I, I think he'll end up going, but 
certainly would would change the course of next season if Trevor Lawrence <laughs> were to return and whatever choice he makes. That's my thing. Like if you if you want to keep doing college football because it's awesome, and I don't think Andrew Luck or or any of these guys that stayed regret it. Do it. But if it's like I'm not, I want to manipulate. Eh, it's too hard to manipulate. You just you just never know. All right, uh, we joked over the weekend. I actually gave my say something nice to Lane Kiffin, the Lane Train, uh, for retweeting a a a random fan tweet that criticized, didn't just criticized, uh, went visceral anger at SEC officiating after a botch call in the Auburn Ole Miss game. Um, Lane was fined twenty five thousand for that retweet. You hear like the Kardashians get paid like hundred grand for a tweet. <laughs> Lane, <laughs> Lane's going the other direction. Paying for tweets that aren't even his. Twenty five k for a retweet. I know these guys make a lot of money, but I think did you say Pete is joke is he has no money because Layla gets it all? Yeah, yeah, that was what he said in the infamous house hunting uh, story a few years back. He said Obama and Layla like each get half of it, so he really only makes like eight percent of uh, of whatever his salary so is. Taxes uh, and his ex wife that'll do it. Yep. Alimony. Yeah, didn't didn't Bruce Pearl's wife open a salon called Alimony? Yeah, nail yes. salon in Knoxville. Yeah. Yes, yeah. sure did. <laughs> Phenomenal. You know that was very popular with the Knoxville divorcee set. <laughs> so did you ever get a pedicure there? <laughs> I know, I wish. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, uh, I, <laughs> the, the entire visual of Sully getting a pedicure at Bruce Pearl's ex-wife's alimony shop. <laughs> Sully with his caveman hair and beard right now. <laughs> getting his toes I need it. trimmed up. I need a lot of, lot of, lot of trimming it's right now. Too much. All right, so Lane, Lane gets the $25,000 <laughs> fine for tweeting about this and then proceeds to tweet about the $25,000 fine, which just goes to my thing, don't ever change Lane Kiffin, including his uh, threat to bring it all in pennies. <laughs> However, he didn't understand math. <laughs> yeah, and right. uh, screwed up the math. <laughs> what did Lane go to Fresno State? Is that right? I think he said it. He said, where did he go to school? Fresno? Fresno. He, Probably he says, where can I find SAT for him. Where can I find 25,000 pennies? Yeah, that's a penny is not a dollar. <laughs> then... <laughs> You need a hundred pennies per dollar, not twenty five thousand. I would. I wish I could pay my taxes in pennies. Then, Lane, you and me, we'd all be rich. Then he said, "No, two hundred fifty thousand. That's not it either." And then finally, in his third tweet, said two point five million pennies. That's a lot more like it. Uh, oh God, honestly, I don't know. Football coaches can do anything other than coach football. <laughs> Lane great Kiffin, point. who we describe as one of the great offensive minds and play callers, a man who can who can study a, a game with 22 players in the field, all moving parts and on the flow, choose among the many, many thousands of plays that they have at their disposal, the perfect one, repeatedly, takes incredible ability to do that. Thinks 25,000 pennies equals $25,000. <laughs> Uh, I would say Lane's in the top 10 percentile of intellect of college coaches, too. Would you agree with that? Just raw intellect. Obviously, decision yeah. making may not be his strength, but like I think he's a pretty bright guy. Very bright. Mm. I'm, I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'll have to canvas the rest of the nation to come up to see if I agree with top 10 percent. I don't know about that. So he retweeted a story where a guy showed up to pay his um, parking tickets or something. He showed up at his, his, his department of motor vehicles with a wheelbarrow of 3000 pennies. And then this joker, a bunch of wheelbarrows. And then he dumped them all on the counter of the, uh, of the, the clerk, a total jerk. Cause it's not the clerk's fault, but Lane was celebrating that. So should Lane get fined again for tweeting about the fine? Where does this end? <laughs> it ends where all Lane Kiffin matters with the SEC office end. <laughs> Both sides completely disgusted with each other. And them, yes, finding new ways to uh, to penalize Lane. 
Uh, he basically he had a call with the supervisor of officials uh, Monday morning in which they they basically admitted we blew the call and still find him. And he went into the to do his press conference after the call. He said, I've had to take about a five minute power yoga class before I walked in here and said what I really want to, which that should warm Pete's heart with a little uh, yoga reference from Lane. But very zen of him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. That's that's uh, that's our guy. No, but that I mean, here the thing is, you know, it's fine. You want to be mad at the SEC office. Don't blame you. You want to be mad at that? Fine. Absolutely don't blame you. But Lane can never keep anything from just, it's all got to be this performance, this Twitter or social media performance. Here I am being mad. Maybe just one time, you know, yell to your dog or whatever about it instead of taking it onto Twitter to be the the clever, cheeky complainer there. And I will say just quickly, uh, the flip side of this is, Gus Malzahn continues to be the luckiest coach in the history of football. I wrote about it in 40-yard dash this week, but this is three calls, bad calls, that he has gotten uh, this year in games that they very well may have lost if they didn't get the calls. And if you go back through his history, the Iron Bowl, he's had some unbelievable good luck. Uh, very good luck against LSU at the end of the game in uh, 2016, the, way, the day before Les Miles got fired. Uh, the prayer at Jordan-Hare when they had a game they were absolutely going to lose and Georgia blew it by tipping a ball to one of his players for a touchdown. Uh, Gus Malzahn's made a lot of money and he's been a really lucky guy to make a lot of it. Yeah, I, I enjoyed that that walkthrough, Pat, in the uh, in the dash this week because it was like jaw dropping the amount of times like they just were fortuitous in in that way. There was a stat on Twitter this weekend and I, that Auburn has been in like more one score games in in the last decade, I want to say, or like than any other. And it was like, yes, of course. Yeah. I remember they had a one score game early in Gus's time there with uh, Jacksonville State. Do you remember mm. that? Yeah. Now yeah. that might have been Chizik, but like. Mm. like but the point is, like, yes, Auburn is perpetually locked in a in a in a one score game, and like, good for Gus for like for for figuring it all out. But back to uh, back to Lane to kind of close the loop on that. Like, the 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 rank and file in the SEC are getting annoyed with that act. All right, I've I've been hearing a bunch of grumbling about it, and the the grumbling is really amounting to like Lane is clearly in charge. Keith Carter, who's the athletic director at Ole Miss clearly does not have any control over Lane, nor maybe does he want to, right? Like, Lane has realized the benefit of the 2020 season for him is going to be being just an unadulterated sideshow. And that's exactly, like, they're one and four, and Gus is getting killed for what? Is Gus three and two now, or is he two and two? He's three and two, but could easily be one and four. Correct. But, like, you would think Lane is three and two and Gus is one and four because of the because how much we're talking about him and, and the perception of it all. So, I mean, Lane has always been like a premier carnival barker. That has part been part of his gift is to, to draw attention. And it's actually decent strategy right now because people are paying attention to talking to Ole Miss is taking up a lot of oxygen despite being like a horrific defensive football team. And despite their grand, you know, their, their grand accomplishment was testing Alabama this year. That's really like what they've uh, what they've accomplished in totality but it'd be interesting to see greg sankey is not an emotional man right he is a he is a by the book from compliance pragmatic like he does not deal well with this i mean mike slide hated lane kiffin hated him god rest his soul lane kiffin was a burr in mike slab's side and mike slab wanted none of it and sankey sooner than later is going to have to do something to sort of if you will put Lane in his place, because that has not been done yet. And you, quite frankly, these Ole Miss boosters are uh, are probably fighting each other to pay Lane's fine for him. Uh, Auburn 27, Jacksonville State 20 in 2015. So there's you go. Okay, that was Gus. All right, let's get back to eating. <laughs> F- food and college football go hand in hand, especially at UCLA. Credible story by the Los Angeles Times. David Wharton and Nathan Fenno poured through 500 pages of UCLA athletics, basically UCLA football invoices and receipts to determine how much money UCLA spent on food. I find this to be a great use of time (laughs) because it's providing uh, content for us. UCLA on non-travel meals, we're going to talk about the night before dinner on a road game, Spent $5.4 million 
in the most recent year, 2000, fiscal 2019. This is at an athletic department that is that reported a nearly $19 million deficit. Chip Kelly is eaten. Grass-fed flank steak, sweet potato hash, diced chicken, and chocolate chip pancakes. How's that for, for a breakfast. summer morning brunch? Yeah. Uh, salmon and Cornish I have to go eat that. Yeah. <laughs> Grilled flat iron steak and balsamic reduction. Brought in, paid $40,000 for five barbecue meals to be imported from Arizona. No one could cook barbecue in, in, in L.A. Another time they ordered a bunch of peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, but rather than just have one of the minions, one of the student assistants make it. I mean, there's not a lot of secrets to the peanut butter and jelly sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> they paid a caterer $4.95 each. Yeah, each sandwich. How uh, excited is that caterer? Like, wait, you want to order what? <laughs> We'd like to order like 300 peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. How much would that cost? It's like, how high can I charge these fools? <laughs> $4.95 each jail. <laughs> is that on like artesian sourdough? Like, come on. Like, what, is what is a peanut butter and jelly sandwich cost? Like 30 cents? Yeah. Yeah, probably. Even in LA, the markup would be astronomical there. What's the most you've ever paid for like a room service breakfast at like a New York or LA hotel? Man, I don't know. Probably like 40 bucks or something. Yeah. That's that's what this reminds me of. I, I remember being at the Beverly Hilton in L.A. in like oh four or whatever uh, and like getting a breakfast and like delivered. And it was like fifty two dollars and I was still hungry after it. That's what that's what this is essentially like the thing you could get at your local diner for three ninety nine. Like they bring to your room and it's like fifty six bucks. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's astounding to me and this is you know this is if, if people have listened to the podcast or read my story this is one of my pet peeves is just letting football go completely rampant with spending and justifying everything because well we're football and we we have to do it because we have to make all the money and guess what at ucla football ain't making that much money attendance in the tank all right they're not bringing in a whole lot of money and they're spending more and more if you're going to get results you know, if you're going to be, you know, Alabama and Clemson can justify some of their expenditures, not all of them, not the miniature golf course, not the waterfall, but they can justify having huge staffs because they get results, because they win games and they bring in a ton of money. UCLA, you want to spend $5.4 on food? And the, 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 the justification for everything always is recruiting. Well, we need it, you know, for recruiting. We got to look like we're big time. I want to see one kid in, you know, Orange County sit there with the hats in front of him, Oregon, USC, UCLA, Texas, Notre Dame, and pick UCLA and say, I did it for the flank stick. If that's really going to get you recruits, come on. <laughs> they, uh, they did pick up the important recruitment of uh, Darnell Hayes from the All-American show, which hopefully is back soon. <laughs> That's a great show, by the way. That was, one was of a great. That was a quarantine highlight for me. Did you watch when oh, yeah? Chip made Holden? his acting debut? Yeah, I I texted I texted Chip and busted his chops. He was a little wooden, you know. He was a little wooden, and, and he was playing himself. And his only line was like, <laughs> "Hey, I'm Coach Kelly. Good to see you, Darnell and Spencer." Like that was that was his line. I was like, How bad of a how bad of an actor are you? I mean, he's from if you can't it's introduce like yourself classes to growing up. Come on. <laughs> All he had to do is, I, hey, I'm Chip. I'm Coach Kelly. Good to have you at UCLA. He made the right call in becoming a football coach, not an actor. Uh, all right, breaking news as we expected early in this podcast. And we're not retaping this whole thing because we're way too lazy to do that. Uh, Nebraska and Wisconsin is off. Wisconsin and Nebraska has been postponed. Wisconsin is suspending all football-related details for uh, seven days. And we'll see where it goes from there. Buckle up. The Big Ten's abundance of caution. You know, like, like that phrase, like wouldn't starting earlier and giving yourself room to play be give you more, like provide more caution than waiting the last possible minute and jamming it all in? That just that just never made sense. And I know that a lot of the coaches in the Big Ten brought this point up time and time again. Like, it just doesn't make any sense. I've also heard that the basketball coaches 
are really like trying to get the 21 day thing changed by the time they come. Because you think about this, you get a guy who tests positive the week of the conference tournament. He doesn't come back until the final four. And you probably don't make the final four if he's good. Um, or like you're just basketball, it's going to wipe out the team, too. So I, look, the, there's no right way to handle COVID, right? Nobody has a perfect strategy. But the strategy of not giving yourself a cushion to accommodate for inevitable delays right now, it's very easy to second guess that. It, it is, Pete, except how were they supposed to do it differently? If you go back and look at the timeline, you know, this was a rush just to get to starting on October 24th. They, you know, they they were like, that's the earliest we can get going. And the latest you can play, if you want to be considered for the playoff, is the 19th, which is when they've got their last weekend scheduled, their East versus West Jamboree. So I don't know what they could have done, really. Now, you, you, you can go back and we can all go back and run back over Kevin Warren's dead body a few more times about, well, they should have <laughs> never delayed. You know, they should have never said they weren't going to play. They should have changed their mind faster, those sort of things. But... To me, I just I think that they were stuck. They were in a bad position and they made the decision. And now the decision is not going to work for at least two teams. I don't think they oh, ever Paul wanted to Chris play. Tested positive two guys. Oh, my. Jeez, oh, all right. Best of luck to the sweatshirt. Yeah. I don't think they ever wanted to play. I mean, I, look, I, we if you go back and listen and please do, because we need all the uh, downstreams we can get. I, mean, I, I think I floated the idea, like start early and just build in. Like, have a flexible schedule. So we what we don't know could happen this weekend, I have no idea. I'm just throwing these teams out there. But let's say Purdue also has to pause. You have a flexible schedule, and then whoever Purdue was playing plays Nebraska. Or two weeks out, like, I, I just feel like this system is is got no chance. This is, I, I hope I'm wrong, but I try not to be critical of the teams that came back and saying, I know more than the doctors and they, they need to, you, you can't play. No, they could. Uh, and I don't want to be critical of the doctors that are saying, no, you need 21 days, but this, this system is, 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 uh, is just seems doomed for failure. So, uh, maybe they can order a lot of barbecue from Arizona. If you're going to order barbecue for 20,000 or 40,000, don't you go to Texas? Don't you yes, go to Carolinas? Yes, yeah. Arizona. I want to know what this place is in Arizona. We're going to do that. Uh, that concludes our Pac-12 preview. <laughs> All right, let's get to the race for the case. Fortunately, Sully did not put the the records in here, so don't need to go over that. Sure, I think I, I think yeah. I'm in the lead. I don't recall. Um, yeah. You're right. in the lead with the yeah. Fat Bears. You're one and zero. You are. You are. Uh, you are. You are scorching ahead. I have a feeling that Nad, your alter ego, is in the lead for the whole thing. Sully is. Is Nad beating me? Uh, yes. Yeah. Nad whatever. is beating me. Ah. I'm doing all right. A lot of lot of bad beats. All right. Let's start here. <laughs> Number five, Georgia at University of Kentucky, noon SEC Network. The dogs are given fourteen and a half. Kentucky is a fourteen and a half uh, point underdog. They haven't beat Georgia since 2009. Pat Forty, resident of the Commonwealth of Kentucky, your thoughts? Yeah, man, tricky one. Uh, Kentucky is one of those teams so far that when you think they're going to play well, they play poorly. And when you think they're going to play poorly, they play well. They've defied expectation every time. But I'm just going to say Georgia is just flat better than they are. Kentucky's passing offense is terrible. They're going to serve up at least one pick six. Georgia will win and cover. I'm back hating to agree with Pat, but just like Kentucky has shown, uh, they've rotated quarterbacks against uh, Missouri. They've just shown no life on offense. And so I feel like Georgia's defense is still the best in the SEC right now. And I can't see Kentucky's offense scoring more than 10 points. And even with Stetson Bennett, um, it'd be interesting if JT Daniels rolls through this week. I, I Georgia's going to accidentally score 24 points. So yeah, I don't think that this will be not a fun game to watch. This is going to be like a mess. I guarantee it's going to be like a dreary, like spitting rain, 11 a.m. Yeah, Pat, you can check. But in my mind, this is just going to be like a 
21 to 3 completely forgettable that stupid cohorn they got the the, (laughs) at commonwealth stadium or kroger stadium excuse me it's 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 a lovely, hey, so beautiful the Kroger field. Against Kentucky this year. Yeah. So you remember? Saturday, Saturday hey, forecast. Not, not great. I'm just saying. Saturday forecast in the Commonwealth, uh, sunny and 58. So, but, but oh, the, all the rest of your description sounds right, Pete. Okay. All right. Yeah, I remember their their offense doing pretty well against the Volunteers. No, that's the defense that did really well. Two pick sixes will help you out. But, oh, okay. Um, yeah, I agree. I agree. Give me Georgia. Uh, as Tennessee proved against Georgia, you need competent uh, quarterback play, and and Kentucky hasn't had that all year. So, give me the dogs. Kentucky schizo. I, I'm taking uh, Georgia. They've had two weeks to lick their wounds after the Alabama loss. Uh, This is actually a big game because if they can get that offense going, whether it is getting JT Daniels in, whether it's, it's, uh, you know, getting more confidence and experience for, for the law firm, the game in Jacksonville is the next week against Florida. So that's actually, that's the, uh, the big one for them right now. So I'll take Georgia given all those points. Uh, Next up Memphis at number seven, Cincinnati, Cincinnati is giving six and a half. Last year, if you recall, Memphis beat the Bearcats twice in eight days to win the American, and uh, it was pretty awesome. These two teams have some really good games. Uh, this one's at noon on ESPN. Pete? Yeah, just Cincinnati looked so good at, at SMU on Saturday, and in Memphis has just been hard to get a read on. They took basically like a, like a month off. They can certainly score. I do feel like this Cincinnati defense has established itself to a point where I think they, they they can slow Memphis down. So I, I think this ends up being like a like a 31-21 Cincinnati win. So I'm taking the Bearcats. I'm with you there. I, Cincinnati, I thought, turned a corner offensively last week against SMU. So I think they've got that side of the ball going well. The defense has been outstanding all year long. Bearcats win cover. Yeah, which Memphis team are we going to see? Are we going to see the team that uh, that, that came back and and – uh, blew up the Golden Knights, or you know, we're going to see an OK Memphis. I, I think we're going to see the OK Memphis, and uh, and Cincinnati is going to continue to roll on towards a the New Year's Six Bowl. All right, this is boring. Cincinnati's really good, though. Fearful of the backdoor cover after watching Memphis make that big comeback against UCF. Uh, all right, next one: Texas at number six, Oklahoma State, four p.m. on Fox. Oklahoma State is giving three and a half. <laughs> Normally, six plays an unranked team. You're going to get a little better than that at home. But uh, the Horns, however, are 1-3-1 and one against the spread. The only cover was against UTEP, which cost me a six-pack of beer. Damn Longhorns. Uh, let's uh, let's uh, bet this one. Uh, Pat, you're first. Yeah, the last time Oklahoma State was favored by three and a half, they won by three. To my detriment and yours, Dan Wetzel, and I think Sean Sullivan's as well on an atrocious Filthy backdoor cover by Oklahoma, Correct. by Iowa State. Anyway, I'm still, I'm taking the pokes. Three and a half doesn't seem like enough. Texas has shown me very little. I think Oklahoma State's just the better team. Cover, win, Cowboys. Yeah, it's going to be a fascinating test of this Oklahoma State defense, which is this just like statistical marvel and this complete anomaly to the identity of Oklahoma State under Gundy. Um, yeah, I just think that Texas's special teams ineptitude and lack of discipline makes it like impossible to pick them in this game. So I got to go with Oklahoma State. I love it. Special teams breakdowns, baby. Give it to me. Uh, I'll, I'll go with the Pokes. I'm taking Texas. I'll go Lone Wolf on this. I'll take Sam Ellinger. They, they have lost their games, but they have lost in, by two to TCU in double overtime to Oklahoma. They look decent enough against Baylor. I'm taking uh, Texas to Sam Ellinger. You guys are all wrong. I'm looking forward to gaining a game on you right there. Boom. <laughs> you need to gain a lot of games. Arkansas at number eight, Texas A&M. 730 on the SEC network. A&M is, gi- is giving 12 and a half. The fighting Sam Pittmans, however, 4-0 and against the spread this season. Huge game that we didn't see coming. This is the one that, where Arkansas really can become real. Pete, we'll start with you. Boy, it's Arkansas has been a tough read, uh, and, it, and at this point, it's it's hard to pick against them because of the because uh, of the fight they've shown. So I'll I'll I will take the twelve and see if they can make it close. That's a that's a huge that's a huge number, and they have they have earned Sam Pittman has earned our respect. Yes, sir, go Hogs. Uh, I hate to do it, Pete, but I'm with you there. I just uh, you know what I, I they're four zero against the spread. I'm going to keep taking them until they're not, and this may well be it because A and M does have some firepower. They could put up some numbers there, but I, Arkansas has consistently outperformed 
uh, expectations. They're much tougher, more fundamentally sound. So I'm taking the Hogs here to cover, but not win. Oh man, I want to side with Barry Odom and the Hogs so bad. Uh, I think it, this this kind of goes along with my Bama pick. I don't like it, but I'm going to do it anyway. Give me AM and Kellen Mond. I like Arkansas's defense. I liked it against Georgia. I liked it against Miss State and Ole Miss, particularly. Uh, man. It feels like you're jumping on a bandwagon that is about to lose its wheels, but I'm going to do it too. Arkansas, it's a lot of points. I will uh, take them. This one should have been a big one. The whiteout Halloween night. Then Indiana happened. Number three, Ohio State at number 17, Penn State. Uh, since 2014, five of the six games have been cited by 11 or less, three of them featuring fourth quarter comebacks. We've seen these legendary games. 7.30 ABC. Ohio State is giving 11 and a half. Penn State is really lacking uh, some talent. They're banged up. Yeah, I'm going to take Ohio State. Noah Kane's out for the year. Obviously, the best two players in their program didn't make it to the start of the season. Michael Parsons and Journey Brown. Uh, they will not have that significant home field advantage. And I'm going to pour it a little out for the State College Bar owners. Because can you imagine Halloween weekend, Ohio State in town game day? how those bars would have been crammed from 9 a.m. to 2 a.m., Friday, Saturday, probably Sunday, too. And so I just you feel for the people in these college towns like that. I was thinking about that, thinking about this game this weekend. So Buckeyes roll. I don't think they have much issue here. Um, They'll certainly score a ton of points, and I don't think Penn State can score a bunch. So I think this is like that. that if I was a better, this would be one of the more attractive lines of the season. Yeah, I – I'm sorry, but we are in lockstep here. I mean, Ohio State, Penn State has traditionally been a very close matchup, especially since Franklin's been there. I'm not interested in history or tradition. I'm interested in this season. And Penn State did not look good and did lose Noah Kane. They've already lost Journey Brown. Uh, Sean Clifford didn't play great in that game at all. Uh, Ohio State looked like I expected them to look. I think this is a two, three touchdown Buckeye roll, especially with no wideout. And no home field advantage for the Nittany Lions. I'm right there with you. Go Bucks. I am going to uh, take Ohio State, too, obviously, for everything you said. Penn State's offense wasn't good before. Uh, they're banged up. It hurts. That's not enough points. So I'll take the Bucks. I, I will say this. The Pennsylvania, the State College bars, you still get 50% capacity. And I'm sure they <laughs> no, got a little outdoor seating. I think they'll have some action still. Not, I not think they'll they do all right. Yeah. If you but they would have been 150 percent capacity, <laughs> I would agree. They they're not doing as well, but I'm not going to shed too much of a tear for the lucky bastard who owns a bar <laughs> in state college, and you basically can print money every other year. Like if you got a little savings, like you got one of those ones right there on that little street, that yeah. one street, whatever. Was I mean, you've been making Scholar, a lot of money. For, is that the name of it, Pat? You'd know, right? Uh, yes. Uh, there, well, is there one? It's a Raskeller. Yeah, I think it is. Yes, yes, it is. There, that, the Raskeller? A, that, yeah. that place at 50% capacity at 9 a.m. on a Tuesday morning. So <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> we need we need Sam Cooper, who uh, who's uh, who's a Penn State grad who, who works for us. So, yeah, who does a great job covering college football. He's going to he's going to criticize our, our our bar, our bar choices on Twitter. I can already I can already see them popping up in front of us. Great little town. Once you can get there, there's a hundred thousand guys. All these kids aren't in the stadium and they aren't drinking at a tailgate. They got to drink somewhere because they're going to drink. They are going to drink. Going to drink. All right. Let's get to uh, since you two are like, you know, bosom buddies here. Yeah, it scares Jeez. me. This is this is the week I go zero and five and <laughs> realize I need to be the lone wolf more. Uh, pick the a Arkansas lock of the A&M week. And- was the tough one this week. That was one. Mm, Please don't pick the same team. Thank you. Okay. Locks of the week. What do we got? We'll start with you, Pat. Oh, I was afraid you were going to say that. Let's start with some. All right. I, I picked against him last week, and I regretted it. Got got the L, but give me Coastal Carolina against Georgia State. Laying two and a half. Chance ranked. Feeling good. Pumping their chest. And they're going to keep doing it against the uh, Panthers from Georgia State. You guys got one? If not, I'll go. Go, go. ahead, Dan. All right. You got, I mean, this this is the lock, the brain wattage going on over in this other side. <laughs> I'm taking Michigan Wolverines minus 24. They are hosting Michigan State. Michigan State is terrible. They may not score against that defense of Michigan. 
no problem. I love in-state rivalry games because you don't apologize after if you score another touchdown with uh, three minutes left. So I think Michigan puts the foot on the throat and chokes out a, a really struggling Michigan State program. Big numbers. It's minus 24, but I'm not worried about that. So I'll take the Wolverines to assert in-state dominance over new coach Mel Tucker. Tough year for Sparty. We will see. All right. Either of you two geniuses come up with a pick. <laughs> I got, I got mine. I got All right. One. Pat Forty. All right. I'm going to take Missouri getting 13 and a half. And what I'm seeing here, Sully, you can correct me if you're seeing something different. But Missouri getting 13 and a half on the road against Florida. Gators have been off for two weeks. We don't know for sure how many Gators are going to play because they've had a lot of positive tests. We don't know who all's in contact tracing. Missouri has played really well the last two weeks. They have got gotten it together under Eli Drinkwitz. They're starting to get a, an identity, a foundation. They know what they want to do. Uh, they're good enough to certainly cover. They might be good enough to win. Back-to-back weeks, Pat goes with Illinois and Missouri. <laughs> I uh, I am going to take North Carolina, giving away six on the road at Virginia. Carolina's offense really hummed against NC State the other night. Virginia's been kind of a mess. The line's only six. Like, and now, again, UNC has been a bit of a frenetic, uh, just unpredictable entity this year. But I do think they can go to Charlottesville and, and win by more than six. It's not like there's some robust home field advantage in all this. And I, I think Carolina just has the ability to outscore Virginia and win by 14. So I'm going to take I'm going to take the heels. All right. Let's see what happens. Hope you guys. Uh, well, I picked a lot of the same with you. So uh, we'll see how you do. All right. We'll be back off for overreaction Monday. Hopefully we get a lot of these games in. Hold your breath. Uh, happy Halloween, everybody. And uh, enjoy the weekend. Talk to you then.